The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm looking forward to get in, getting into the Word this morning uh, because I believe every aspect of what we're looking at is important for every person in the room. So anytime we get into the Word, always encourage note-taking. So uh, you, I'm going to have to walk so far to come to this side to give you any love at all. And, and there's, there's this gap that's really going, I'm going to really tough it out. So I'm going to commit to you, that's the last time I'm going to mention it. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be thinking it. Uh, as we get into the Word, I encourage note-taking. It's just something that uh, is important. If you, if you don't have the ability to take notes, don't worry about it. If you, if you see that your neighbor's got a stack of paper and maybe an extra pen, you know, you can uh, righteously mug them and see if you can borrow something. You know, writing things down is important. It's, it makes a connection between the, the, the paper and your brain. It also gives you a, a point of reference uh, to visit. Uh, you know, I mean, God's speaking to us. We, we have the opportunity to come to church. You know, we sing a few songs and and, you know, listen to a sermon or something like that. But, but really, when we get into the Word, there's meant to be so much more take place than that. I mean, the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives together as a body and also individually. And individually, God is speaking to you. He's ministering to you. He's, he's at work in your heart and in your mind because He loves you so much. And as you write those things down, it gives you an opportunity to revisit them in your own time and, and allow those things to, uh, to minister to you personally. Uh, so here's a few things we're going to find as we get into the Word. Uh, we're going to find what we're equipped to do through Jesus. We'll see that in the Scripture. We'll, we'll open up with that. We'll find that right away. There's something that in Jesus Christ you're equipped to do. And it's important that we know it because I really think that there's a scheme to distract us from this truth, to get us to buy into a lie. But there's something that we're equipped to do through Jesus. We'll see what that is. Another thing we're going to find is what the Word of God is. What the Word of God is and why it's important. I mean, I, I grew up in, in church environments and was told, you know, to read my Bible and, and things like that. And oftentimes I thought that was just kind of a religious obligation. You know, hey, you should read your Bible because it's the Christian thing to do. Uh, and, and I get that, but the reality is there's so much more in the reasons why we should get the Word of God in us. And we'll, we'll see those things as we get into the Scripture. So we'll find out what the Word of God is. And then a third thing that we'll find is what we need to hang on to in order to win. What you need to, to hold on to, what you need to hang on to, what you need to cling to in order to win. Now, we all want to win, and we all need to win. I mean... Any one of us, we could, we could describe events going on in our lives right now, and every one of us has situations, uh, sets of circumstances, things where we want to see victory. We want to see a win. We want to see uh, some kind of a, a breakthrough in one way, shape, or form. There's something that needs to be clung to, that's got to be held on to in order to see those wins come to pass, and, and we'll see that in a great example in the Scripture as we get through and into the Word. So I mentioned before the first thing that we were going to find is, is what we're equipped to do through Jesus. I want to start there. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to Romans chapter 8. 
Romans chapter 8, I want to look specifically at verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Here's how it reads. It says, in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. So in him who loves us, the him who loves us is, is, is God. The him who loves us is Jesus. So through Jesus or in Jesus, we overwhelmingly conquer in all things. Now, you know, I, I normally try to be a little polite. And if we have a few people out of town, I don't like to put the congregation on the spot. But I want you to say something with me just to stay engaged and to make a point of contact in your brain. Will you say in all things? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not just about, you know, having some kind of insecurity in public speaking and trying to get some feedback. I really want that point of contact made. When you say that, when you release that, there's, there's an understanding and awareness that's being vocalized what's being written in the scripture. What's written on the page is coming out of your mouth, and it's a declaration being made. In all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. I mean, that's a life-changing passage of Scripture in all things. You know, one of the biggest challenges that, that I've had in my life or that I've seen in other people's lives is they think their problems are too big. It's too far gone. I remember ministering to, to, to children that were living in, in a, a, a location. It was an apartment complex is what it was. Behind the church, we would bust them in and we would feed them and we would minister to them. And I always was hoping to engage with their parents and, and begin to minister to the families. And it didn't happen very often, but when it did happen, there was something that was very consistent that would be spoken. And what it was, was the, the, the parent would say, well, I'm too far gone, but I hope that God can save my children. And I realized something. I realized this is a, a tremendous obstacle. I mean, this is a lie from the devil to think that someone can be too far gone, can have done things that were, were too sinful or too wicked or too evil that God could handle it. When we look at a passage of Scripture like we just saw, we see that lie exposed. In all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Jesus. Now, I mean, that word conquer is, is a really powerful word. Let me give you a, a definition just pulled from the dictionary. The definition of the word conquer. Conquer, to be completely victorious, to overcome, or to master. I mean, that's a pretty absolute word. It's more than just, you know, squeaking out a win, but it is absolutely annihilating the opposition. And in a situation like we have in our lives, as it concerns what Jesus has brought into our life, we see the conquering of sin. We see the conquering of death. We see the conquering of all corruption. We see the conquering of darkness. I mean, really and truly, in this room right now, the reason why I can see you and why you can see me is because this light is conquering darkness. Somebody flipped the switch back there and light's winning. So I want to give you a couple of passages here from the scripture. Uh, one thing it's important to know that no matter what, one of two things is happening in, in your life, in my life or in your life, in any situation or in any circumstance, something is happening. Romans 12, 21, it reads like this. It's a call for you and for me in our lives and how we behave and how we treat each other and how we function Romans 12, 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, there's something here that I think is, is worth noting. One, the context. I mean, the, the Apostle Paul is the one that's writing this, and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit as he's writing it. And who he's writing it to? Well, he's writing it to Christians. He's telling Christians, don't be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good. That tells me something as a Christian myself, and it tells you something as, as a Christian, that in any situation or circumstance, something is winning. Either the temptation to, to fail and to fall into to some kind of a corrupt behavior or activity or action, things that we would just generally call sin, is either overcoming you and affecting the, the outcome of the situation, the choice, the decision, the attitude, the words, or we're overcoming that temptation to fail. And our instruction here is to not be overcome, but rather to overcome. And we know that in all things we're able to overcome because Jesus loves us. Overcoming is the key to a life of freedom. I, I want to give you a couple of passages here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Whatever a man is overcome, or by whatever a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. So take the gender out of that. I mean, it's just any person, whatever overcomes a person becomes in charge. Now, I know a lot of people who would take issue with that because they would, would identify the security and the stability of being a born-again believer, being bought by, by the blood of Jesus. And that individual, whoever that may be, would be absolutely right in that. However, in the situations and the circumstances that we face and we deal with, we've got to look at the effects of sin and its corruption and its effects on our lives, on those around us. I've never once sinned before and had it had no effect on my family, on my children, on those around me, on the congregation, on any aspect of the people that I'm close to. Because no matter what, sin has an effect. We're not talking about the eternal security of a person's spirit. We're talking about the effects of a person's actions. And there's a reason why God's interested in our behavior and in our actions, and it's because our behavior and our actions have consequences. They have effects. And so God is at work in each of us, bringing his light through Jesus into our lives so that that light can overcome darkness and we can overwhelmingly conquer. I want to give you another passage of scripture here as it concerns your freedom. <clears throat> this one comes from Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 8. I want to look at verse 34. Jesus is speaking and he says, everyone that commits sin becomes a slave to sin. When I look at these things, it, it begins to reveal to me why God is so interested in purging this behavior out of my life. The things that are ungodly, the things that are unclean, the things that are rebellious, and the things that are sinful. Because for those things to be embraced, they can't be casually uh, fraternized with. They, they can't be casually indulged in. When those things are engaged in, they take the wheel. They take charge. And in our situation, we're called to conquer, not be conquered. Jesus set us free so that we could be free indeed. And we don't really use the word indeed. In fact, I feel like I should wear a monocle and maybe have a cane and say, indeed, sir, when I hear the word indeed. But I want you to think about that concept, the passage of Scripture, that the one that the Son of God has set free is free indeed. In your deeds, in your actions, 
It shows in your choices, your decisions, your attitudes, your words. So what's necessary for us to overcome? Well, I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture. We know we're called to overcome. We know that it's because Jesus loves us. But what is it that is in our lives that equips us to overcome in everyday choices and everyday decisions? Well, it's the Word of God. 1 John 2, verse 14. 1 John 2, 14, it reads like this. Because you're strong and the Word of God abides in you, you have overcome the evil one. That's a pretty great passage of Scripture as you're trying to break down how to make good choices, how to make good decisions. Now all of a sudden I realize that putting the Bible in my life isn't just so that I can look like a good Christian, it's so that I can overcome the devil. It's so that when I'm faced with the temptation to compromise, to make poor decisions, to make sinful choices, or have rebellious actions in my life, I can be equipped to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, all because I have God's instructions put in my life. Here's another passage of Scripture. I mean, you can take these down for your notes. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, 7, and 10. You'll see Jesus responding as he's being tempted by the devil himself to compromise. He's being tempted by Satan to sin. He's being tempted by the devil to be rebellious. I mean, the same things that are pulling on and tugging on you and me. He's facing those things. And as he defeats those things, he does it by quoting the scripture. He says, it's written. Written where? Well, written in the Bible. It's written here. It's written here. It's written here. And as he begins to stand upon the word of God, he begins to overcome evil rather than be overcome by that evil. If we're called to conquer and overcome evil with good, it's going to require the scripture. So Paul writes something to to Timothy. Now you have to understand that Paul loves Timothy. Now they do work together. They have this, this acquaintance in the kingdom of God as fellow ministers. But yet there's an affection between Paul and Timothy, almost like a father and son. And so as Paul is writing these words to Timothy, I have to understand he absolutely cares for this individual that he's writing to. And every word that he's speaking is not only inspired by the Holy Spirit, but inspired by his love and his affection for him. And when Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, he's telling Timothy to embrace, to, to recall, to remember, to focus on the sacred writings which are able to give him the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. I mean, focus on the Word of God because it has the ability to give you the wisdom to win. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here from Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, 16, it's this declaration of freedom from shame of the Scripture or the Bible. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's a, a, a pretty interesting passage of Scripture in the way that it's worded in the sense that it's revealing that the power of God is revealed and released through the Word of God or the good news or the gospel of God. The idea that Jesus would come, offer himself in our place. Everything that we celebrate in the Scripture, which by the way, from page 1 to page 1300 whatever, the Scripture is all about Jesus. That's why when Jesus would come, it would be to fulfill those things. 
He's the absolute embodiment and fulfillment. Everything before him is a prophecy, a type, a shadow, something that testifies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. Everything during is the actual carrying out of that call to save the world just like God sent him to do. And everything after is to equip the church with all that Jesus has brought into our lives through his sacrifice, through his resurrection, and through his ascension into heaven. Now, here's something that I want to point out, the power of God to save. The word save there is an important thing to make a note of. We're not talking about being born again. I mean, I was born again one time, but I've lost count of how many times God has saved me. Where I've been in a situation where there was difficulty, where there was trial, where maybe it seemed hopeless, where maybe it seemed like all uh, was lost, and God entered in and miraculously delivered. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about the salvation. And here's why I'm confident in that. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to everyone who believes. This power of God for salvation is addressed to people who believe. So if I'm already a believer, if I'm already born again, then I can see that this power of God for salvation is for my day-to-day life as a believer. And all of this is because of Jesus. When we sang the song earlier that Jesus paid it all, nothing could be more true. That every aspect of God's kingdom, his authority, his power, the the, the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost, every bit of that in full became an active part of my life the moment I became a Christian. Now the work of the Holy Spirit in my life is bringing those things into my day-to-day choices and decisions. Making those things become not just something that I have, but something that I do. As we continue here in the scripture, I think it's important that we don't make the mistake of of, uh, confusing being born again and being saved and delivered. I mean, throughout the scripture, God is daily at work in our lives. Let me give you a passage of scripture here from Psalm, Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is of our salvation. Even when when Jesus would pray, he would acknowledge his need for God's daily sustenance in his life when he would say things like, give us this day our daily bread. Not referring to just simply the food that we would eat, but the direction and the counsel and the life-giving fellowship that comes from heaven. I want to give you a a couple of passages of scripture here uh, concerning the things that God has brought into our life in order to know victory. Uh, What the Word of God is, is an important thing to understand. The idea that God would bring these things into our life is the thing that I think we need to focus on. If you were looking at Matthew 16, 24, or Mark 8, 34, or Luke 9, 23, it would all say the same thing. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I mean, there's a daily effect where we need to see the miraculous provision and power of God. When Jesus is talking about the things that we go through, he says, just focus on today. Tomorrow's going to have its own trouble. In Matthew 6, 34, he says, each day has trouble of its own. Now, the emphasis here is just to acknowledge that we need God's presence for deliverance every single day. Every single day. So I want to take a look at at what the Word of God is. When we read Romans 1, 16... 
that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the word of God. We're not ashamed of the testimony of God. It's the power of God to bring that salvation, that day-to-day deliverance that we need, revealed in, through our choices, our decisions, our attitudes, our actions, our words, that when we walk in that, I want to know what the word of God is. I'll give you a passage of scripture here. I, I told you we're going to find out what the word of God is. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I want to look at verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is living, it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. That it's, it's piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. This is, is not just something that is poetic. Rather, it's talking about the word of God being the tool that is useful to have an effect on our minds to separate into the things that you can't cut into. Anyone could take a knife or a scalpel and cut into the flesh. But what can cut into the way you think? To cut out thinking that's unclean and impure and make a way for thinking that is pure and is clean. Only the word of God. Nothing else is sharp enough. There's no word of counsel. There's no therapy. There's no treatment that could prevail. But the word of God having the ability to divide even between the soul, that's your mind, and the spirit. Ephesians 6.17 refers to the word of God as being the sword of the spirit. It's one of the reasons why I carried this down here, just as a little visual aid. I'm not really a sword guy, but a friend of mine gave this to me. And he's a good friend, and, and he gave this to me as a gift. And you know, when, when somebody walks in the room and says, hey, I have something for you, and they're carrying this, you just, you just kind of listen up, you know. But the idea that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, I mean, something that is used both uh, defensively and offensively, it's revealing. It's just helpful to think of, and, and I want to carry this around as a visual aid because I think it's important for us to, to see and to know. I want to get the Word of God into my life for, for the purposes and the reasons that God has brought it into my life, to do a work in my mind, to change the way that I think and, and bring me out of ways of thinking that are destructive and lead me into ways of thinking that are life-giving and prosperous. I mean, there were things that I thought were good for me, things that I thought I wanted, things that I thought were, were desirable, and those things were destructive and they were destroying me. And it was only after the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word of God on my mind where I began to realize that those things that were so destructive were sinful and rebellious, and they needed to be removed from my life. And praise God, through Jesus, they can be. I want to give you a, a, a passage of scripture. It's the shortest story I think you could hear. I mean, I think it's probably three verses of scripture. But I want to stretch it out a little bit, right? I mean, that's what pastors do. They talk forever. Because I think when we, when we read between the lines, we can apply the story to our own lives a little better. So if for your notes, you can take this down. It, it, I told you there was a third thing we were going to find. We're not ending with this but we're going to establish it now. It's what we need to hang on to to win. What you need to cling to to win. What you need to hold fast to in order to win. We'll see that in this story. But if you were going to write down in your notes where this is located, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I think it's only verses 9 and 10. 
And when you get to 2 Samuel 23, you'll find things like the last song that, that King David ever wrote. And then you'll find a list, an account of, of the mighty men that served King David. Now, these men uh, were, were brave. They were strong. Uh, the, the activities and the things that they did, I, I have a feeling most of them were probably not married because I don't think their wives would let them do some of the things that they did. I think one of them dug a pit and wrestled a leopard one time just for fun. You know, and what's really funny is if you get enough guys around and they get bored enough, they're going to do stuff like that, you know? It's just kind of, it just happens. We had a men's event once. We called it ManFest. And, I mean, we ate more meat than a human being should eat, and, and we, we pulled out what we had for the kids in this church were these inflatables, you know, where you, you could jump around on them, and it turned into a free-for-all cage match <laughs> where all of the men just sat around the edge, and you just pointed at the guy you had beef with and said, you and me, and you went out and you wrestled. I, went, I was really bruised when I, I mean, I, I got home and was changing, and Ash was like, what happened to you? And I was like, church. I mean, when you leave men alone, they just do stuff like that. So th these were the mighty men. These guys were bold, and they were brave, and they were courageous. And there's a list of their exploits here. And, and you, you, as you're going down this list, you, you'll find one. I want to read what he did, and then I want to talk about it. So if you're there in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, you get to, to verse 9, and you see, And then there was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. I hope it's Dodo. I'd sure hate for it to be pronounced differently. And if your, your dad's name is Dodo, you probably do have to scrap a little bit when you're growing up. <laughs> so it says here that he was one of three mighty men with David when they defeated the Philistines that were gathered for battle when all of the men of Israel had withdrawn. When all of the men of Israel had withdrawn, he rose and he struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory. That word victory there is, is translated literally salvation. Remember, the word of God is the power of God to save or bring salvation to all who believe. So Eleazar is there prepared for battle. And when you look at this passage of Scripture and you read between the lines, you can see that he's not alone. He's there with, with the rest of the group. And as the battle begins to become imminent, the, the, the problem gets bigger and bigger, and it's inevitable now we're going to have to deal with this problem, all of a sudden, all of his support leaves. You ever been there? It says all of the men of Israel withdrew. They retreated. Right when the battle's about to start. I mean, I picture Eleazar standing there and he's getting ready to go and he looks around and all of a sudden he just sees everyone about a half a mile that way. And he's left with a choice or a decision. Do I join them and do I get the heck out of Dodge or do I stand my ground and do what I came here to do? And the word says that he took his sword and he swung and he swung and he swung, and he swung, and he did not stop swinging until he won. And that he stood his ground swinging that sword for so long that his hand 
cleaved to the sword, his muscles cramped to the grip of that sword. I look at this and I just think, what an amazingly powerful two passages of Scripture in the Bible. I mean, I would hope that if I did something like that, someone would write a book about it. He got two sentences. But those two sentences can change our lives. The idea that we know where our help comes from, where our victory comes from, where we know as long as I cleave to this, which can bring me victory, and I don't drop this, I don't abandon this, I don't leave this, but I use this, and I don't let go of this, there's no stopping me. I am an unstoppable force, and I'm the greatest threat to hell since the resurrection itself, as long as I hold on to the word of God. The power of God to save, for me, a believer. And I'm going to hold this until my hand conforms to that grip and will not let go. You know, I I watch believers walk through trials and tribulations and hardships. And it's very easy for us to to quote the occasional scripture or or to to make the, the, the statements that sound religious and righteous. And then you'll see some believers that are like Eleazar. Where no matter what, no matter what things look like, no matter what things feel like, no matter what things sound like, no matter what report comes my way, I'm not letting go of the word. And I'm going to swing it, and I'm going to swing it, and I'm going to swing it, and I'm going to swing it until I win or God takes me home. There's no plan B. There's no retreat. When I consider the the story there of Eleazar and I consider the word of God being the power of God to save the sword of the spirit, I'm inspired. I'm inspired to take what God has given me to bring victory and not treat it as something casual or conditional. Well, we'll try this. We'll see how this goes. But that we become completely and totally submitted, sold out, and committed to knowing this is what God's given me to bring victory into this situation. And I'm going to hold on to this and I'm never letting go. I think Eleazar would have had a pickup truck with a bumper sticker that says, You can have my sword when you pry it out of my cold, dead hand. And I would hope that he would come to champions. My kind of guy. As it concerns the word of God, these are the things that I want us to consider. That it's not just religious obligation to read. But rather it's God's solution to every problem. And when we commit to hold that and to wield that and to not just simply try that but say no matter what, I'm committed to this. I'm going to pursue what God says. Do it His way. Do it the way that He's called me to do it. I'm not going to deviate from it. That is what I'm going to do and I'm never ever letting go of it. I think all of a sudden the Word of God becomes something altogether different than just a religious book. But it becomes like it's revealed to us Alive, living, active, and of course sharper than any two-edged sword that man could ever make. Able to do a work 
in our spirit, able to do a work in our soul, able to do a work in us that will ultimately lead to victory. When I read of Eleazar and his wielding of that sword, refusing to let go of it, even though all of the perceived help had abandoned him, the problem was getting worse and worse and bigger and bigger, and he remained committed to what could bring victory. The word says that the Lord brought about a great salvation. I mean, when you consider that, you have to just think. I think Eleazar did a pretty noble thing. I think it's pretty gutsy. But I know that God responded to that commitment and that devotion and went to work on his behalf and made every one of his swings count, every one of his defensive moves be in the right place at the right time. He took on an entire army and he brought it down. And the word makes no apology for saying who brought the victory. When we can take that same commitment and just say, Father, thank you for men like Eleazar. Thank you for their example. Let me be committed to stand my ground. Let me be committed to cling to your word. And let me be committed to not abandon your word or abandon the fight. And I trust that through your word, you will give me everything I need to swing at the right time, to defend at the right time, to bring victory into this situation. I want victory in my marriage. I want victory with my children. I want victory in my business. I want victory in the anointing that you've given me to walk in in the church. I want victory in every aspect of my life. And I'm willing to put my hand to the sword of the Spirit and never let go. And that's really why we need to read the Word. Why it needs to be part of our life. Because it's what God's given us to win. I want to, to ask you to stand with me and I want to pray for us before we part ways here. It's very easy for the idea of, of reading the Bible or, or having the Bible be a part of your life to be viewed as, as some religious obligation or, or some empty discipline. And I, I hope that we can see past that, to see that that is a cultural trap. I mean, if I were your enemy, if I were the devil himself, and I wanted to convince you of anything, I would want to convince you that the one weapon that God gave you to defeat me with was useless, outdated. That, yeah, at one time that was a thing, but, but we've progressed, and we've become progressive. And nothing could be further from the truth. I love a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah it's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. And it doesn't just mean that, you know, whatever God says lasts a really, really long time. It just means that, that there's never going to be a change in the power, never going to be a change in the authority, never going to be a change in the effect. And that as God has equipped us with his word to see victory upon victory upon victory upon victory in and through our lives, 
That's never going to change. And as we look at the Word of God and we see that, that it's living and that it's active, it's important for us to understand that the Word is not just a book, but rather that the Word is Jesus. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is returning. If you have a Bible that has you know, uh, headers or headings on it, it will be a heading that says the return of Christ. And Jesus is seen riding in on a white horse. And let me tell you something, he means business. And the word reveals unapologetically that his name is the word of God. And as we operate with the word of God, we operate with Jesus. As we see victory and breakthrough, as we commit to the word, just like Eleazar committed to that sword, no matter what, no matter how many of them come, I'm standing my ground and I'm not letting go. When we have that kind of devotion, we're committing to Jesus. Not just committing to a book or a page number, but committing to our king. That we're going to operate his way that we're going to respond to his counsel and that we're going to see the victory that he promises. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts and in our minds this morning as it concerns the scripture. And you're welcome to join with me. You can be in a, a mindset of receiving or, or, or agreement, however you choose to posture, but I want to trust and believe God to do a great thing through Jesus in our hearts and in our minds by his spirit. So there where you stand, I want to pray. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples of men like Eleazar. And we ask that that example would, would do something in our lives, that there would be an inspiration, that any casual relationship with the Scripture would no longer remain casual, but that there would be a fire kindled in us to see the power of your word as the power for victory that you have blessed us with. And let our hearts and our minds be committed to, to commitment as it concerns the word. That we would not see any other option but to adhere to your word until victory. To cleave to your word until we win. To hold on to your word until we overcome. That we would be moved to that devotion and that commitment that has been revealed to us through Jesus by his example that he would take your word and be faithful even unto death. Let us take on that same devotion and that same commitment. And let there be an appetite formed in each of us. An appetite that would no longer be satisfied with the things of this world, but would only be satisfied with the word of truth. And let truth equip each one of us as the saints for victory in everything that we do. We bless your name and we thank you that you love us. We accept your love and we celebrate it. And I ask now in Jesus' name, let your word prevail in our hearts and minds unto victory in everything that we face. Let us celebrate together. Let us encourage one another. And as we share testimonies of your word bringing breakthrough, your word bringing victory, bringing salvation, let us rejoice and praise your name together. We bless you and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.